we're starting a three-week series. And fellas, if you get my notes up, that'd be great. Um, three-week series today, uh, the land of not enough, just enough, and more than enough. And today we're going to be um, talking specifically about not enough. So let's, let's start a conversation. And again, creative arts guys, I need notes. Uh, if you thought I memorized it, you're wrong. I did not. So let's, let's talk a little bit about slavery this morning. Um, and specifically, uh, this thought here, slavery is something maybe we think of as hundreds of years behind us in our history. Um, the, the 1860s, the Emancipation Proclamation, 1862-63, Lincoln frees the slaves. How many guys know there's more than one type of slavery? There's not just chains and plantations. Today, um, it's estimated in the world there's more slaves today that are uncompensated, um, being robbed of their God-given right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Um, than, than ever before in the history of the world. Is that, is that shocking that there may be more slaves on the face of God's earth today than there was in the 1860s? The sex slave trade specifically, where kids are being kidnapped and taken away from their homes and despicable things are, are being done. They're being used up, impregnated, diseased, and being executed, just thrown away and buried out in fields all over the world. And I, today I'm going to talk to you about the cruelty of slavery, how one person never has the right to subject another person. Does that make sense? And, and I, I know there's kings and queens in the world. I know there's emperors and dictators and presidents and popes, but I, I'm not talking about governing authorities, the Roman, Romans 13 authority, the exousia that God gives to men to govern. I'm talking about when people say, you're my property, and they imprison somebody. It's painful in every way. There was a day back in history when all of God's people, all of Israel, was a slave. Uh, under Abraham... God's blessings were there. Abraham had sons. His youngest and most favoritist was named Joseph. Joseph was this, this great um, kid that uh, uh, had, uh, you know, uh, just favor and the coat of many colors, all that kind of stuff. And Joseph, during a time of, of great famine, ended up going into, into slavery, was sold into slavery, ended up in a home of, like, the king of Egypt. We call him Pharaoh, I guess, probably today. And favor was on that kid. And through that, Israel really became part of um, this. And I said Abraham, I meant, I meant Israel. Um, so they, they come into this. And, but the problem is God's blessings on them so richly that they're multiplying. And now you say, well, you know, what can a, a sovereign governing nation do for their servants? It's like it's not that there's so many of them, they were being outnumbered. They got insecured, and so they enslaved every Israelite. From now on, you will be a slave. And, and this is part of that story, Exodus chapter 1, verse 11. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor. What they're trying to do is just rub them out. They're trying to use them like animals, uh, cause them not to have the energy to multiply, cause them not to have any favor, any possessions. So they wouldn't want to bring children to this. And they end up building these two store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, how many of you guys know God's blessing will not be held back? But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and they spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and they worked them ruthlessly. Everybody say ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with harsh labor, bricks, mortar, all kinds of work in the fields. And all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. Now during that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and they cried out and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning. And he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites, and he was concerned about them. Now, here's the words used to describe slavery in this sense. It's oppression, hard work. It's ruthless, bitter lives used. They're groaned. 
They cried out. Believe it or not, and this is, this is, I've said all this to say this. Hear me now. There are people in this room right now that live under the yoke of slavery. There are people that are here right now in this room that live with those words in their lives on a day-to-day basis. Their, their life is, is, is a ruthless thing. They're forced. They're oppressed. There's hard work. They're used. They groan. They cry out, God, help me. God, save me. Today, I'm going to expose the one who enslaves God's people yet today, and we're going to talk about um, how to get out of from under the, the thumb of that slave master. Number one thing is this. You've got to know your enemy. Um, and most of us, because it's so normal in our world today to be a slave, and I'll explain that in a moment, we, we just think it's part of being an American. It's part of having a dream. It's part of having credit. It's part of owning a home or cars or whatever it is. But you've got to know your enemy. And Jesus is going to name something here. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's Schemes. Now hear this. Our struggle is not a physical struggle. It's not a flesh and blood struggle. It's against rulers, authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now the word scheme there is the word schematos in the Greek. Anybody guess what the, what the modern day English word we get from schematos? Schematic. This is a detailed plan. I want you to know something. Paul says this in Ephesians. We're not wrestling with flesh and blood. What we are wrestling with is a detailed spiritual plan that is being worked on by rulers, by principalities, by powers, by, by the, the dark spiritual realm that exists in our life. In other words, the devil's scheme is to make slavery normal in your life. The devil's scheme is to make us believe we're prospering when we're slaves. The devil's scheme is to make us believe that we're living this dream and only, only when it's too late do we realize that although we are full of, we never really wanted to begin with. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 gives us the name of the slave master of which I speak and his nature as well. No one can serve two masters, Matthew 6 says. Either you will hate the one and love the other or you'll be devoted to the one and you'll despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, before we get off on a money's evil trip, I want you to notice something. Look at the word money in that sentence. And, and do you notice anything different about the word money? It's capitalized. And the reason it's capitalized is it's actually money is the word mammon. And mammon is not, it's more than just money. Uh, the Syrian god of avarice, which is a, a false deity, was known as mammon. And the word mammon became synonymous with not just money, but a certain type of value of money. Um, Mammon, as a Syrian false small g god, was the god of avarice. In other words, nothing would ever be enough. No matter what came your way, contentment would never be found. If you were full, you wanted to throw up and eat again. If you had more money than your neighbor, you wanted more money than the king. If you had more wives than your neighbor, you wanted more, you know, you wanted to kill your neighbor and steal their wives. Like the whole Syrian mammon god thing was you cannot, you cannot be a servant to the one true God and this desire for more and more and more all the time. Now, I'm not saying that money's a bad thing. Are you hearing that? Three people heard it. Let me try it again. I'm not saying money's a bad thing. I'm not saying fire is a bad thing. Music's a bad thing. But how many of you guys understand that money can become in our hearts something it was never intended to be? They can take a place, and fire can burn your house down. It can warm it up. And music can glorify God or glorify Satan in the flesh. What I'm saying is this. Money is a tool in the hands of mankind. It goes back to biblical times and from the times of Jesus. And certainly well before that, they're saying, listen, you have to have the right relationship with this thing. Because if you have the wrong relationship, it is the same thing as idolatry. 
For you to have a, a relationship, a worshiping relationship with the things of this world, with mammon, with avarice, with a desire for more, with covetousness and greed, all these things that are forbidden in Scripture, they're not forbidden because, you know, it's, it's wrong to get more. It's because at one point or another, you're not getting more. More is getting you. It's getting the best of you. It's getting the time. It's getting the energy. It's getting your thoughts and your dreams and your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength. And those things are supposed to belong primarily to Jesus. I'm not saying money is a bad thing, but I am saying money is a spiritual thing. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 21 says this. because where your treasure is, what? That's where your heart is too. This is part of us. Our relationship with money, our, how we view it and how we view God when they're both in the same picture is very important. Mammon is a false god whose goal is to enslave. Jesus is the one true God whose goal is to liberate. Do you see that? So the promises that, that God makes and the lies of mammon, you're going to find are almost synonymous. Security. Do we believe that if we have more money, we have more security? You're being awfully quiet. Let me try it again. <laughs> I don't want to say yes, but yeah, right? If I have more of, of God, am I secure? If I have more money, am I secure? Like, like, listen, when, when you have more money, like, how much money do we need to be secure? Well, I, I don't know. I, I'll tell you, I have these, like, retirement calculators, and all it just is just blinks red, like, just die early. I, I don't, you don't have enough money. Like, it's never going to happen. You are so insecure. Give me all your money. And I'm not saying that planning is foolish. I believe there's wisdom. I also believe there's faith. Right now, I'm operating on faith, which may be foolish, but security. Future. Does, do you have a different future if we just won the lottery than if we didn't? Is there a promise in money that if, that if you have me, you have a future? But doesn't God say the same thing, that in me is a hope and a future, right? Peace. Oh, how much money do you need before you'll have peace? It's just such a funny thing. Well, I need a million dollars. I had literally had a guy up here one time. I said, I need a really honest person. And John's a good friend, always sat in the front row. I spit on that guy more than anybody else. There's a front row people will attest to. I spit when I talk. Sorry about that. But uh, I floss. It's just what it is. So... I had John come up here and I said, I'm going to write you a check and you have to be content for the rest of your life. You can never work again. This is the only money you'll have. You can spend it all. But, but what, what will you need to be at peace, to be content? And he said, a million dollars. And I said, John, think about this. You're a young man. You got like five kids. <laughs> Three of them are daughters. Million dollar weddings each. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to write you a check. It's going to bounce from here to Mars. But I'm going to write you a check. He said, okay, 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 right, right, right. $10 million. Is it okay? So $10 million, you pay off your debts, you buy a nice home, you get the motor home, you get the vacation house, you get the, you get the boat, you get the, you know, you, you got all this kind of stuff, stuff you got you everything going, and you're, are you content? Because I'm content. It's okay. Because you got $10 million, are your kids going to a better school and they're going to now? He said, oh, yeah, yeah they would. It's okay. So what, a private school, he goes to a private school, what's that cost? It's okay. In that school where they're spending that money, it's not really breaking into the $10 million all that much, but now they're meeting friends whose daddies have $100 million. And your daughter comes home one day and says, Daddy, why do we have a motor home when my friend has a yacht? And why do we go up north to our cabin? My friend flies on the Learjet to, to the, the French Riviera, and they stay on their yacht. Daddy, are we poor? I said, do you want to change that number now? He goes, I want to change that number now. I said, John, here's the problem. I just gave you $10 million, and you're still not happy. Listen, guys, most of us, if we have a, a problem with money, money's probably not our problem. Love. I, I mean, I can't tell you how much better looking a man seems to get the more money he has. <laughs> Life, right? Comfort. Now, doesn't Jesus say, I'm the way, the truth, and the... And isn't the Holy Spirit known as the comforter? And yet we, we believe that money brings us these things. Power. 
You shall receive power when thou winnest the lottery. Is that what the Bible says? Actually, there's a spirit that comes upon us. The Holy Spirit will receive power to be his witnesses. But we believe, the, you know, the golden rule. He who has the gold makes the rules, right? Freedom. I hit the button twice. Let's go straight to pleasure, right? <laughs> Healing. Um, so, so we're going to talk for a second. How is it that mammon gets, gets his way into Like, why is any of that believable? Because I think if any of us have had security and money and then lost it, we realized money really isn't the key to great security, if we receive comfort or, or joy or life or love because of money, but then when the money runs out, what happens to those things? Mammon is a liar. You just got to hear me. I'm, tr I'm trying to save you from so much heartache and wasted time. If you're young, say, this doesn't apply to me. I don't even have any debt. Like, I'm talking to you right now. <laughs> the best time to learn how to fly a plane is not when you're at 30,000 feet. It's before you take off. If you're here and you're so far in debt, you can't breathe. I'm, I'm talking to you right now. Because you're at a place of groaning where God comes in and delivers by faith. Hear me. I'm talking to everybody in this room right now. We need to have a proper relationship with God and not have an improper relationship with mammon. Because if we do, this thing is a cruel slave master that is out to destroy and steal your life. And this is the God who gives you life. God tells you the truth. Mammon simply tells you lies that get people to live above their means. Back in the day when our kids were younger, we wanted to enjoy the things that we saw our friends living in, nice homes and nice cars. And, and to be honest, we, we lived a little bit above our means. And it seemed like the money would go out the minute the paycheck would come in. And I knew that was wrong, but I didn't know how to get out of it. It was many years of struggle through that, and I, I felt like we weren't living our best life. He used to tell me, groceries, gas, groceries, <laughs> gas, groceries, gas, nothing else, groceries, gas. And so when there and were things like, you know, our too. kids wanted to go to Christian youth camp, and I mean, it broke my heart. I wanted to send them more than anything. We couldn't afford it because it wasn't groceries and it wasn't gas. So growing up, I, my dad had a really good job. He worked for the telephone company. He was a lobbyist. And so he, you know, he earned a, a good middle-class income. And I thought we were well-to-do. We lived in a really nice house. What I learned later as I uh, was old enough to understand I really realized that we were living beyond our means. And it really taught me a lesson that, um, and I saw my dad really struggle with that. Um, and, and it put a burden on him that I just didn't want to live with. And when I saw that starting to develop in our house, I realized that that was a place that we really needed to correct. So, if we believe the lie that, that God's blessings, God's provision is inadequate, then all of a sudden we find ourselves in this next place. Let me show you a graph that we're going to be looking at quite a bit. The, the land of not enough. See the horizontal line, the top one? Let's say that's God's blessing. That's God's provision. That's, that's what money's going to come in today, this week, this month, this year, this decade, this quarter, this, this lifetime. That's God's provision. The way that mammon gets us enslaved is anything that is above God's provision, anything that's above God's blessing, every dollar we spend that God didn't give us, and you're awfully quiet. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Every dollar we spend that God did not provide for us through wisdom, 
through his provision. Through, and I'm not saying a mortgage is evil. I'm not saying, what I'm saying is this. Every dollar we spend that God didn't tell us to spend or God didn't provide for us to spend puts us deeper and deeper into slavery. The second one is just enough. We're going to talk about that next week. Living right at God's provision where every dollar is accounted for, where bills are being paid at accelerated rates, where we're not borrowing more money. We're living by faith in our master, not faith in our master card. Okay? And then we're going to talk about two weeks from the day, the land of more than enough. How when, we, when God's provision is actually over our needs. How many guys would like that? Where you're like, I wonder what I should do with this extra. I wonder how this should you know, change the world. I wonder who I should feed or clothe or vacations or blessings. or I, I wonder what God wants me to do with this. I used to live here above God's blessing and I became a slave. I lived here for a season in the wilderness where it was tough and we had to learn to eat mammon and um, not mammon, uh, manna. Yeah, we eat mammon. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't... Just totally created a cult there. But anyway. <laughs> but isn't it funny? The lie from the very beginning, from the serpent in the garden in Genesis chapter 2. Did God really say? You know, God, God didn't, God's keeping something good from you. Like, you, you should live above God's blessing. Yes, this whole garden, yes, this whole world is for you. And this one tree, he said, don't eat the fruit of this tree. But you know what? I, even though he said don't do it, I think the reason he said it is he's keeping something good from you. If you really want to be blessed... If you really want God not to hold you back, if you really want to know what living is, take a bite of the thing God said don't take a bite of. How many of you guys hear the same voice? It's the same thing. Well, this is God's blessing. This is what God has given me. I can eat from any of the tree. I can, I can, I can go anywhere. I can, I'm supposed to conquer mountains and swim oceans and cross deserts and explore jungles, and God made this whole thing just for me. This is God's provision. Ah, but... I think God's really keeping something good. So you should not settle for God's blessings. You should bless yourself. You guys still here? Let me tell you something about God's blessings, guys. All blessings come from God. James 1, 17. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. And if it doesn't come from God, it is not a blessing. I remember one time we financed a car that was probably $3,000. Uh, we paid $3,000 more than what it was worth. And the finance manager came in very spiritual and said, you know what? You must be God's favorite kid because it's a miracle you got financed. How many guys know it was his miracle, not mine? I carried what they call negative equity, which means I'm stupid. In the next four or five car deals, every time I traded in a car because it broke down, I just was a slave. Like, I understand this. The slavery to not having enough. So because I don't have enough, I'm going to bless myself. I'm not going to trust God. I'm going to trust the credit card company. I'm not going to trust my, I'm not going to get extra jobs. I'm not going to work extra hard. I'm just, it's this weird slavery, right? I just got deeper and deeper and farther and farther and more and more miserable. One time I was out there and Dina's brother came to visit us, Jet, James Edwin Tharp II. We call him Jet. And he showed up in his Pontiac Eurosport. He's an accountant. He works very hard, like six months out of the year, and then works really, you know, kind of normally hard another, you know, probably four months. And then he has these other two months where he just gets to do what he wants because everything's counted, you know. Nobody needs taxes. So he just got into his car. He was meeting his buddies. He wanted to visit every baseball park in America, and his friends were flying out to meet him. And I'm sitting there eating cream of hot dog soup going $200 a month in the hole, eating cream. Literally, we couldn't afford air conditioning in Arizona. We had fans that were on. We didn't cook inside because the house was so hot. I, used to, I learned how to cook dinner on four charcoal briquettes on a hibachi grill, and we cooked like, like two hot dogs or whatever, and then, and then we had a baby, and you know, then she's bringing in work into the house, and everybody's sick, and the two children we babysat, what were their names? Uh, Lucifer and Damien, and... and <laughs> 
and they're puking in my car, and the mom can't pick them up. Kid's miserable, has a fever, but I haven't enrolled his class. I just, I was a slave. You know what I'm saying? And, and here's people that have lived well, that have been wise, that haven't done what I've done, and they're living so much differently. And I'm, I'm not mad at me. I'm mad at God. I'm mad at them. And finally, God just went, you know, walk into the hand, Jim. Just walk into it. You know, wake up. I'm not doing this to you. You are doing this to you. Every blessing comes from me. And if it doesn't come from me, it's not a blessing. Mammon wants you to bless yourself above the blessings of God. He has a multi-billion dollar industry that pushes his gospel 24-7. You've earned the right to borrow this money on this card. Right? How many of you guys love the thought of easy payments? How many of you guys ever made an easy payment in your life? You ever written a check and went, you know what? That was easy. This is how old I am. I'm writing a check. How many of you guys ever pressed a button that transferred money electronically from one account to the other and thought, you know, that's just so easy. I, that, that didn't hurt at all. Um, Mammon, really, he stalks the young and the vulnerable, the impressionable. Mammon is all over our college campuses, our military bases, and now even in our high schools. Visa card applications are showing up for 16-year-olds. Because the earlier he can get you into debt, the earlier he can get you to slavery, and I am not against education. I joke sometimes because I don't have any, but I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not jealous, I'm not bitter, I, I'm, just, I'm just not smart, okay? So this is what I got. But man, to spend $100,000 on an education in French literature, to get your PhD in, in you know, the, the history of Indian pottery from 1403 to 1498, you deserve the beating you're going to get. You, we have to be smarter than to go in debt because it's easy today. Understand, there won't always just be today. There'll be a tomorrow. And it stalks the young. I, one of the greatest, like, oh, it kills me. One of the things I love about our Freedom Center Ministry Academy, and this is not planned, and it's not a commercial. It's not even an infomercial. Um, but, it, but if you act today, I'm going to give you a free set of knives. No, the, <laughs> I, I love that we prepare kids for ministry, students for ministry, but and when they graduate, it's, there's not like a thirty, forty, fifty, hundred thousand dollar bill. Like to train to be a missionary in college, you can't go to the mission field for twenty years because it takes that long to pay off your debt. We have to begin to think like people that were called to live in freedom, freedom that God has for us, blessings that God has for us. Mammon stalks the young. Matthew six twenty four talks about this this master named Mammon. If you choose to serve Mammon, you won't be able to serve God. I'm just gonna be straight up with you, okay? I'm not saying you can't go to heaven in debt. I'm saying you can't serve two masters. You can be saved by one. When, when in Israel was in slavery to Egypt, they were still God's chosen people. It wasn't that God hated them or God forsook them. God, God was listening for them to cry out at some point. But I want you to hear me. Even though I'm not saying you're, it's a heaven and hell issue, I'm saying there's an effectiveness that will be lost in this life if you have to work 38 hours before you get two hours to work for yourself. How many hours do you work per week? to pay off debt. I, I literally, my wife and I, it wasn't, what, about two, three years ago, um, we, we finally like just got to that place where we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. I was literally, and, I, and I, I'm not proud of this, I'm, I'm literally ashamed of this. I, I hope I'm not embarrassing my wife by saying this, but it's her fault. No, I'm saying, but, but literally, this is, this is what happened. We were getting ready someday soon to put our, our, our grandchildren's stuff on the credit card that still hadn't paid for our children's stuff. We took a cut in pay after being in the, the high-paying position of youth pastor for the first, you know, many years of our marriage. We took a cut in pay to become senior pastors. There was no increase in that cut pay for three years until I couldn't make my mortgage payment and asked permission to deliver pizzas at night. 
The church had grown from 100 to 300. The budget had grown from 100,000 to 300,000. But, but I, I hadn't asked for a raise. The board hadn't offered it. And I said, hey, guys, I just need permission to get a part-time job. And they said, oh, well, you don't have to. And that's when it first started, any pay increase. So we lived so far uh, above our means that we were slaves. I'm your pastor. We're leading people to Jesus. We're giving away hundreds of thousands of dollars, and I can't make my mortgage payment. And I'm borrowing money for clothes and shoes. And we had to make some serious decisions. Am I, am I embarrassing? I hope I don't mean to. Okay. But we had to make some serious decisions. And it wasn't until about a year and a half, two years ago now, we paid off the very last credit card. You know how many years we didn't borrow money to pay off the last credit card? Uh, I don't even want to tell you. I'll tell you next week, right? But people say things under a master called mammy. I would retire and serve God at a higher level, but I just can't afford to. During the recession, 2009, I had 40 consecutive weeks, not, not days, not minutes, 40 consecutive weeks, the better part of a year, where one or more families came to me and said, Pastor, in tears, this is our last Sunday. There's no work here. We lost our house. We have to move with family in North Carolina. How'd that work out for them today, huh? That's all I'm saying, you know. Uh, that was mean. That was mean. That was mean. Too soon. Too soon. Okay. I, but like I said, I'm not bitter. Oh, boy, where'd that come from? <laughs> the point is not that they left. The point is who made them leave? It wasn't God that led them there. They didn't want to leave. I'll tell you something else. A lot of those families still haven't found a church they like. Their walk with Christ has been compromised because they couldn't afford to stay. There was no savings. There was nothing paid off. They needed next paycheck, every pay, the paycheck to paycheck to paycheck to paycheck. And when that first paycheck was reduced by 20%, bad things started to happen. The credit cards ran up, and then they lost the house. And they had, Listen, it was heartbreaking. In tears, we don't want to leave. My, you know, my parents, and like, you're 45 years old, and you've got three kids. You're moving in with your parents because their house was paid off because they're old. They're like, they're like 55, 60, you know. So what I'm saying is this, guys, hear me. There's a freedom that comes when we don't have but one master. When God is our master, we live according to his plans, there's liberty, right? So uh, now the question is, now what do I do? Let's take another look at the Fearless' story. Really, it was at a moment of, of frustration that I cried out and called out to God. It was when a friend was in need for finances. Her husband was sick. And I asked, you know, uh, God, I said, Lord, you're the one that has put this desire in my heart. And if you've given me this desire, you're going to be the one to fulfill it. We both have a heart for giving. We both have a heart for missions. And we wanted to do more for others. And yet we seem to be a little bit strapped in doing that. And once we got out from underneath that and we scaled down a little bit, we started to see the ability to, to give like we wanted to, like we felt we were called to. As I grew up um, actually in the land of not enough, uh, my mother was a stay-at-home mom. My father did custodian work at a, a tank plant, and so I never felt like we didn't have enough because all my friends lived the same way. But I knew that I was destined and created for more. Even as a child, I saw myself as a philanthropist before I even knew what the word was. I wanted to give to everybody in need. And of course, when we got married and our finances were tight, um, I can tell you a lot of times we gave out of what we had, but it wasn't even what I wanted to give. I wanted to do more. 
So the question is now, and I want to thank the Fairlesses for sharing their story again. What do we do? Like if today we're here and we're like, you know what, I, I do have a significant amount. I am in some pain. Or, you know, I have a manageable amount. I'd ask the question, how manageable for how long? What would happen if another 2009 recession took place? Well, it's not, Jim. It's always up and to the right. Listen, if you haven't lived long enough to realize that the, the government, the financial situation, Wall Street goes in cycles, then let me tell you, it does. We're in an up cycle right now. Let, let me ask you what happens next. There, there will be a downturn. There'll be a correction. And when that happens, because a lot of our base um, income comes from manufacturing, what's the first industry to shut down? And when manufacturing shuts down in our community, the restaurants are hurt, and the guys who build houses are hurt, and the guys who sell houses are hurt, and the people that wait tables, and the people that teach classes, and unless the government suddenly injects a bunch of money to do a bunch of stuff, then we go through this great recession. Hear me. I want to live above the ebb and flow of this world. I want to live free from it. I want to live secure in Christ through his ways in this. So God didn't move Israel until he heard them groan. And it's, it's funny that that's exactly what Chris said. She goes, I just cried out to God. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. I'm telling you, there's a sound that our soul can make that will move God in a very different way. If you're here today and you're like, man, I am just so tired of living this way, or I am so afraid that that downturn, or I just, I, I turn the money for comfort, for security, for, and, and I, I, if you live long enough to know that's not true, so be it. If you haven't lived long enough, trust an old guy. Money comes and goes, but the peace of God should rest upon the righteous. Money comes and goes, but the comfort of the Holy Spirit rests upon those who are filled. Money comes and goes, but the love of, of God, the love of community, when we go through recessions, we, we don't start losing friends. It's funny how, how our community really drew together because that's, that's the love of God through us. People were suddenly growing gardens and giving away. I'd never ate more squash than 2009 in my life. I learned to like cherry tomatoes, just, you know, cream of cherry tomato soup to go with the hot dogs, right? Um, you, you have to decide who is your daddy. You have to decide who to trust. If you aren't done with living above God's provision, I just want you to know there's more money. It won't help you. We're in a position now where some of us are getting pay increases and stuff, right? The hourly wage is going. A friend of mine owns a company. He's, I just gave this person a dollar raise. I just gave that person a $2 raise. Just got that person a company car. I'm like, oh, it's so exciting. So, so money's going up. But understand how this works, guys. If I get a $50 a month raise, it's going to help liberate me from slavery if I've repented. But if I don't, it creates the income to get another $1,000 in debt on easy payments. You know what's funny? And I, I don't mean to point anybody out. I really don't. But I, I, I've observed it several times. The people that are saying amen are generally male and generally over 50 this morning. And that's interesting to me. That's not part of my notes. I wasn't expecting that. And if you're under 50 and said amen, I, I can't see very well up here. All right? It's just the way it is. Like, I'm, he just called me old. Hear what I'm saying? When we live through this stuff enough times, man, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I can be free in a matter of months, maybe years, maybe decades, and I can live like none other so that when I'm out of debt, I can live like none other, to quote Dave Ramsey. Or I can continue to live where every $50 raise gets leveraged to buy that new TV set I didn't need to impress neighbors I don't know, to win the favor of people I don't like. 
if we're not careful, the American dream is actually a nightmare. Contentment. A base and a bounds. What Paul says, I've learned to live with nothing. I've learned to live with everything. I've, I've carried gold that was so heavy. I had so much of it to feed churches and provinces. I, I, I know what it is to have enough. I mean, more than enough. And I know what it is to be living in a ditch naked, waking up because they beat me half to death the night before. I, and here's the secret of, of that sort of life, he says. I've learned to be content in all things. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's where that sentence comes from. Philippians 4.13. It's not, it's not just, you know, at the dentist office, look up in the ceiling and think, I can get through this. You know what I mean? It's not in the weight room. I can push out this way. I can do all things with Christ. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's like, it hurts, but I'm okay because of Jesus. I have too much, but it's, it's not going to own me because Jesus already owns me. I'm already taken. So now what do I do? What do I do? You got to walk with God out of the land of not enough. And I'll say this to you guys. It's not going to be easy. And, and, and I, I'm saying this from our experience. It's not going to be easy, but it was much easier than I thought it was going to be. The hardest steps... I, anybody here a runner? Anybody run more than 10 miles in your life? Let me see your hand. You can still lift it. Okay, good. You can't walk anymore, but you can lift your hand. That's good, you know. The hardest mile in a 10-mile race is the first mile because, because that's when you, you put on your shoes. That's when you decide you're going to do it. That's when you slept and ate and fueled and formed and trained and all of that. And that first mile cost you. And when, when we run a marathon, we, we train 300 miles to run 26.2 and still can't walk for a week afterwards. What I'm trying to say to you is this. The hardest decision you're going to make is I have to be free. Because as soon as you do that, you say, well, how am I going to not do that? Well, what if I don't? How do I? Well, okay, but Christmas is, but the gas, and I don't, and the kids, and I, they need, and I need, listen, we're going to have to come to a place where we cry out to God. If we don't, if we're not enough pain yet, trust me, you'll get there. But if you recognize pain is coming, you can cry out right now and say, God, I, my grandson's living with us right now. He's nine months old. There's a difference between I'm bored and a spider just bit my eye. You know what I mean? There's, there's, there's a sound, and neither one of those happened, but there's a sound that a child makes that a baby makes, yes? It's like, I hope he goes back to sleep. The other one's like, it will jump you right out of bed. What's going on? And you're not even awake, and you're already in the other room waking up. Like, what's happening? Eh, nothing. I just wanted to scream, you know. <laughs> what I'm saying is this. There's a sound your soul makes that God will never turn a deaf ear to. God, help me. Help me. Repentance is more than a decision, guys. It's a direction. It's a verb. It's, it's walking. Debt is a lot like calories in the physical world. You have to make a decision to never exceed God's provision again. What you're doing, you're saying, I will not trust mammon as my master. I repent of that. I will only trust God as my provider from this day forward. If you'll make that decision, you progress from the land of not enough and I'll walk him to the land of just enough. Because for a season in the wilderness, and the wilderness we'll learn next week, that's where stuff goes to die. That's where faith grows. That's where self-reliance, pride, and turning back goes and dies in agonizing, horrible, sometimes lengthy death. But once dead, it can never be resurrected again. There's a promised land that God has prepared in this realm for every one of his children. Say amen. God has a promised land for you. Mammon has a promised land for you. His promise is hell. God's promise is his kingdom on earth. We are here to serve God for a season that is vaporous. We dare not waste it because we've got to work 42 hours serving mammon before we can serve two hours worshiping God. We dare not waste it. We are to be students. We are to be sons. 
We are to be daughters. We are to be royalty. We are to be ambassadors. We have a destiny, and we cannot get there. We can't go to the mission field. We can't be a counselor at camp. We can't even go to a life group because we don't have time because mammon gives me no rest. I gave my life to him, and that despicable, you can't say bastard in church, but the despicable bugger, he works me half to death, and I got nothing to show for it at the end of the day. You load 18 tons, and what do you get? Another day older? Come on. Deeper in debt. Johnny Paycheck, 1943. There it is. Hear me, guys. We don't work for the coal mine. We work for Jesus. We don't work for mammon. We work for Jesus. I can repent of gluttony, but it's going to take some time for me to go back to a size three. I can repent of, of mammon. It's going to take me some time, but this is what I know. God can feed you manna in the wilderness. God can send quail. God can get water out of a rock. And our testimony here some next week, the miracles that God did, we formed a four-year plan of great sacrifice to completely get out of debt. And in 18 months, God got us out of debt. And it was impossible day one, but by faith in God, by giving, by trusting, by serving, by, by never borrowing another dollar, when it came time to choose a master or a MasterCard, we said, it's so hard, but if our kids have to go in last year's shoes to school, so be it. Because as for me and my house, we're going to be free. And once we got dedicated that way, God blessed it in such a way, I guess the test was over. I guess we passed it. We didn't need four years. I <laughs> And now how much fun is it to be in a different land? It took a moment to get out of Egypt, guys, but it, it took 40 years to get Egypt out of Israel. That's the way this thing works. Stand your feet all over this room. If you're not in enough pain yet, I get it. Boy, just, just hear from a guy that lived in pain for a long time. Don't, don't get there. Here today, now, my challenge to you is to never borrow another dollar again on a credit card for the rest of your life. You can't pay it off at the end of the month and get the points. You should, just don't borrow another dollar. So, Jim, it wouldn't work that way. I, I have to. I, I know what you're saying, but I don't think you know what I'm saying. God will provide for you where you've decided to honor him. And if you choose mammon every day deeper, every week deeper, every month deeper, every year deeper, at some point you will groan under the weight of slavery. If this is God's blessing and God's provision, I pity the fool who lives here. God's goal for you is you would live here and with this difference change the world. So Father, I pray today that you would help us to see your plans are better than our plans. That mammon's a brilliant liar. We've been falling for his garbage for years and years and years and years. My grandfather sat down in the, the, the strike that created UAW Chapter 1 and just up the road here in Flint. My grandpa's a hero. He, he was part of creating the middle class. But where he used to be a slave to General Motors, so many of his friends and partners became slaves to the bank. They got an increase in pay, and the bank said, you can have a house today and a car today and college today and today, 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 until they had no tomorrows. God, I pray. The banks aren't evil. Money's not evil, but mammon is. He's ruthless. He's cruel. Forced labor, doing what I don't want to do for someone I don't want to do it for, to pay off stuff I realize now I didn't need. That's, that's the stuff of fools. Let us be wise. As we take this first step right here, right now, God, I pray, let us just stand at attention in front of a holy God who's promised to provide. Here, now, 
If we looked at this all wrong, we repent. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Some of you guys need to repent. And I, I wasn't going to do this, but I feel like the Holy Spirit's saying do it. Somehow, something that happens in our heart becomes more real when it happens in our hands or in our feet or with our ears or our eyes. Today, you're like, I'm done with this. You're right, Jim. God's right, Jim. I, I'm, this is not the way I'm to live. I, God's been dealing with me about it. This is a moment of just revelation. God's saying, stop it. I'll help you through this. I'll get you out of this, but you got to stop. If God's been dealing with you before today or today, he's just dealing with you right now, and you realize the right thing to do right now is to repent of serving mammon and turn and follow your provider. With his wisdom, he's going to get you through. If that's you today, I want you to raise your hand when I count to three. One, two, three. That's me. Yeah, great. Great. That's really cool. Guy. And you go and put your hands back down again. But what I saw was young people, professionals, older people, families. That, that's exactly what I'm hoping for. Father, right here and now, we, we repent. Come on, stay in your own way. We repent of trusting something that isn't you. Trusting something that's not from you. If every good and every perfect gift comes from you, then every blessing comes from God. And if it doesn't come from God, it's not a blessing. May we never be guilty of blessing ourselves. You are a blesser, and we receive them all with gratitude. But because you gave them to us, you can require them back from us. There's a seed to be sown again. That's, that's awesome. We're stewards. We're not owners, and it doesn't own us. We're not masters, and we're not slaves. It's just it's yours. Father, today I pray, let there be a balance, let there be a wisdom, and let there be deliverance now in Jesus' name. Deliver us from the lies. Deliver us. Deliver us from generational curses of debt. Deliver us from things that just simply were stated a thousand times, but there were lies the first time they were said, and there'll be lies the last time. Any human being ever breathes the lie, it'll still be a lie. No matter how many times it's said, no matter how many commercials we see, no matter how many offers we're given, let us look at your singular offer of provision. And in that, we find peace, hope, love, life, freedom, all the things that you promised. They're ours now. Through repentance, they're ours now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. We'll be done in 90 seconds. Jim, this is not my only problem. That's one thing, but it's deeper than that. There's, there's a general lack of relationship between my heart and God's heart. That's really the real issue. It's, it's not just that I'm in debt. That, that would be a very small portion of what stands between my heart and God's heart. Well, just as people today raised their hands and repented and changed their direction, they're no longer heading that way. They're going to have a lot to figure out. We're going to talk about it. Podcast tomorrow on budgeting. You should be listening for it Tuesday morning. But just as they made a decision to change direction today, you can make a decision. If your biggest problem is in debt, that's, that's awesome. Because God's bigger than just getting us out of debt. He gets us out of hell. God doesn't give us morality in the sense that... Um, you're going to go from a bad person to a good person. Literally, you're going to go from a dead person to an alive person. Jesus, in John chapter 3, verse 3, calls it being born again. And that's where I take everything I've ever been, everything I've ever done, everything I, I currently am, the sum total of everything that I am, I've done, that I'm ashamed of, that I'm proud of, and I take it before Jesus and I ask him for a clean slate. I ask you to erase all of my history and birth in this moment, all of my destiny. I've lived apart from you. Now I want to live in you. Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago to pay the price. So you're like, as soon as I'm good enough, I'll do that. He's good enough for the both of you. When I'm ready, I'll do that. Maybe that's more legitimate. But what would keep you from being ready to be forgiven by God now? What lie would you believe when his mercy is reaching out to you? If you're not right with God, but you need to be, you want to be, 
all over this room right now. I just want to lead you in a very simple prayer. We're just going to talk to God right now. If you don't need this, don't do it. But if you're here today and you're like, I I need this, or I want to encourage the people around me so they don't feel alone in doing this, say this with me all over this room right now. Jesus, I come to you. I choose you. I prefer you. From this day forward, your ways will be my ways. Forgive me of all of my yesterdays and birth my eternity. I love you. And by your grace, I'll see you soon. Father, I pray your blessings on us. So much to be done. Such a brief span of time called life. Help us not waste it in in service to the pharaohs. Let your people be free. Body, soul, and spirit free in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Altar workers are moving forward at this time. If you need prayer for anything, anything you walked in here with today that you need prayer for and and you haven't gotten it yet, this is the time. This is the place for ministry, for prayer. I'm going to head back to the guest room, which is that lit room back in the corner. Do I see the man bun of Carl Jones? Is that you? Nope, there's something on the wall behind somebody. I thought that was their man bun. (laughs) All right. But back in the back corner there, we had a chance to meet. For me to hear your story, I'd love to hear it. God bless you. Live long, prosper. Next week, guys, we continue. The land of just enough.